0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. From the time I was a young child, and I have a particular memory and where I was being carried around in a church nursery by a stranger who was working there, and she would pray over me and speak to me the Lord's Prayer. And that prayer just went through my life. My whole growing up, I would say I prayed that prayer every night before I went to sleep. And I always ended that prayer with, and give me a happy family, Lord. Please may I have a happy family. <coughs> um, I didn't really have an understanding of salvation, though. Although I, I attended several different churches, um, Sunday school classes, I was confirmed in the Episcopal Church as a child in Germany because my dad was in the Air Force. But I didn't know that there the plan of salvation. I did not know about the Sinner's Prayer, and. In my 20s, I had just moved to Ferndale and was teaching in the elementary school. And I read a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Did anybody else read that? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, that book told about the end times and prophecy and Matthew. is doing that exact same thing. And for me, it was quite the revelation and quite the release of anxieties in my life about things are out of control. And to know that God was in control. I mean, I had overwhelming peace after that. I thought, oh my goodness. And that song of the day was Peace Like a River. And that was for me what he gave me and what the knowledge of that was. And there was a a sinner's prayer in there and I prayed it and um, right after that I got plugged into a church and things were going well. I always wanted to have children. Um, And it was hard to get pregnant and I was It it became a little obsessive, I would say. And finally, I did get pregnant, and then I miscarried. And so that was devastating, and then it took a long time to get pregnant again. And at this time, someone spoke into my life. They said, God is never late. And I thought, okay, I I believe that. And um, I did get pregnant, and I had Shiloh, and I was thrilled. I was just so grateful to be a mom, and it, it was overwhelming, but it was, I was grateful and um, she was five months old, and my husband of seven years decided he didn't want to be married anymore and that was crushing. <clears throat> Not only was I taking care of a baby, no longer had my teaching position had the the strong desire to be a happy family, taking care of that little baby, but now I was on my own. And one time, several years later, feeling on my own, because my, my visiting sister left, um, I said something to my daughter, I, so I leaped ahead, you guys. I said something to my daughter. I said, well, it's, now it's just you and me, Shiloh, a little self-pity in there. And she says, well, and Kat and Jesus. And I mean, she was a toddler. <laughs> I said, all right, Lord. <laughs> I can have no self-pity here. But <clears throat> during that time of devastating, overwhelming, how can I deal with this? God was faithful. I mean, I remember washing a sink and tears just flowing down my face and just, I can't do this, Lord. You need to send me your comforter. And I can tell you, in that very instant, he sent me his comforter. I didn't need to cry anymore, and I could go about my routine. And he did that over and over again in my life. God was my provider during this time. I was living on half of a beginning teacher's salary and back in that day, that was very little money but I had reasonable rent. I lived in a large but quirky home in Ferndale, and um, in order to have hot water in the main house, I had to have a wood stove fire going, and it was a cook stove, so it was a very small firebox. so you were feeding it quite a bit. So, for the most part, we did have two baseboard heaters. But for the most part, I boiled my water to wash dishes and clean. And then, you could go outside on the back porch and into this little room, and there was a a shower that was heated by a hot water heater, so... Um, And I was terrible, terrible at cutting kindling. It might have been... I had the wrong wood for it, but... It was was a battle. in my neighborhood, just a block away, there was a little Portuguese grandma, and she would walk the neighborhood, and she would be talking to herself or to God, but it was in Portuguese. <clears throat> and you would greet her, and she, she didn't really acknowledge you. And she would walk to the lumber yard in town, and she would come back with a, a bag of kindling and take it on home. So, one day I heard a little bit of commotion out on my porch, and I went out there, and she had left a bag of kindling on my porch. Now, I don't know if you can understand, but that woman had no knowledge of my need, And yet, God had directed her to bring me kindling. And I mean, I can't tell you how faith building that was that he was gonna take care of my little needs as well as my big needs. He did that over and over you guys. There was one time when I was in bed and I was talking to the Lord and I was thinking about when the disciples wanted to go over to the other side and the storm came up and Jesus was sleeping and they said, Master, we're perishing. And I thought, yeah, Jesus, I'm perishing. And then right away I thought, well, why am I perishing? And it was without a vision the people perish. And then I thought, okay, I need my vision, Lord. What's my vision? And he spoke to me immediately the prayer I had prayed my whole growing up. A happy family, but I was added to it, a serving God and a son. And I added his name was Micah. <laughs> and um I thought, okay, I can I can go on with this. I can I can walk in that vision. So Shiloh was four years old, and I was back to teaching in Ferndale, and in this very church, I met Steve. And he was kind, and he was fun, and he loved the Lord, and he pursued me. And I was scared to marry again. I mean, what if I mess up again? You know, this is too frightening. And faithfully, he pursued. (laughs) So I asked the Lord, and after talking with my pastor and my family members, I thought, okay, I am going to fast, and I, I pray that you will give me direction and I don't want it to be wishy-washy. I want it to be clear cuz I do not want to mess up, Lord. And so <clears throat> I began fasting the first day. And I am not a big faster. I'm not but I mean I have fasted <laughs> at this point. And so I fasted the first day. Nothing good yard work, but nothing else. So the next morning, I woke up, and I was just super wimpy and nauseated, and I got Shiloh off to vacation Bible school, and I crawled back in bed, and my sister called me, and she said, well, what's going on? And I said, well, I'm fasting. (laughs) And I'm having a weird reaction. And she said, well, Becky, the verse that comes to my mind is, why fast when the bridegroom is here? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Lord, you are so gracious. And I thought he even used me as an object lesson. (laughs) So, um, Steve and I got married and it's been the best and i've had my son not micah but (laughs) matthew and we don't have a perfect family but we have a happy family and i'm very grateful and the hard things that i went through were because not i shouldn't say weren't they were hard but i wouldn't get i wouldn't not have lived through them because God proved over and over He was faithful to me. Amen.
1: So the the take home, the the thing that I want us to, to really make sure that we we grab onto here is that God is faithful God is faithful in the midst of hardship he's faithful in the midst of issues with your family issues with your health he's faithful in the midst of whatever you find yourself God is faithful and as we hear from each of the people that you're going to hear from today I I got to cheat I got to hear them early but I can tell you that in every person's life that we're going to hear from this morning We see example after example after example of God being faithful. Do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want to stand? Do you want to sit? It is.
2: About a week after Matt asked me to present at the next seven-minute Sunday, I was on vacation with my husband at a board game convention in Denver. (laughs) At the Get to Know You barbecue, my husband and I were talking to a pastor from Wisconsin about helping the homeless and how his church was getting involved. For those who don't know, my husband is in law enforcement and oversees a unit that works almost exclusively with mental health and homelessness. The conversation worked its way around to what church I went to as he knew my husband had gone to an Adventist boarding school. Then he asked, have you always been there? No, I've only been there for about five years. What brought you there? Being the introvert that I am and knowing this man for less than an hour, I gave him my three second answer. My my son inspired me. The long answer, I suppose, is why we have a seven minute Sunday. My son was the reason I finally stopped ignoring the voice that consistently whispered in my ear, the voice that I just as consistently waved away. And when I say years, I mean well over a decade. But God never gave up on me. I had things to work out, and he waited. But to get to my story, it's a little different. I took the back road here. I wasn't exposed to religion in my childhood, I knew it was a source of conflict in my family, but I didn't understand it. I only knew of the emotions and feelings that came up when it was discussed. In my family, there was the judgment of actions and the judgment of inactions and anger. By the time I went to college, I had been to two Catholic Easter services, and that was the extent of my religious experience. Fast forward to college, and I did what all good liberal arts students did. We had long, late-night conversations about the meaning of life, why are we here, what's God's role in it, it was during this time I became curious. Up until this point, the only thing I knew about God was conversations of anger, judgment, and conflict amongst believers and non-believers, my very Catholic roommate who was nothing like what I experienced in my childhood. It was also this time when I read Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh. His words about how we label things right and wrong, good and bad, prevent us from truly living. Instead of experiencing moments for what they are and watching feelings come and go, we get attached to them. We label them, and this can be the root of anger. This tangent might not seem relevant, but I assure you in my early 20s, as I tried to figure out who I was, this was the tipping point. That book had such a profound impact on me that I read more of his books. It's ironic that a Vietnamese Buddhist living in exile in a French monastery led me to Jesus, but it's true. Up until this point, Christianity in my mind was linked to conflict and negative things. It was through Thich Nhat Hanh's books that he linked non attachment, lack of judgment, and loving people as they are to Jesus. This hit me in my soul. I spent the rest of my college years practicing meditation, learning to silence my thoughts so I could hear what was in my heart. I felt the pull, but the cognitive dissonance of how I grew up and what I felt in my soul were hard to reconcile. This began my decade-long struggle of hearing the Holy Spirit and waving him away. (laughs) At family camp, we talked about studying the Bible well, and on the last day, we meditated, listening for God's words. Many said that being silent and listening was hard, but this was always the easy part for me. I said I took the back road here. I was listening before I knew what I was even listening for. It was in my meditation practice that I heard the Holy Spirit and came to know Jesus. I went to Mass with my college roommate a few times, but I didn't feel a connection there. My husband took me to his church several times while we were dating, and while I felt joy at being accepted as a vegetarian in the Seventh-day Adventist (laughs) community, my heart said I didn't belong there either. I continued to hear the Holy Spirit both encouragement and directives but I dismissed them. I'm trying, I thought, but the truth was I was scared and confused about what to do. Sunday runs became my church. Over the years I had various running partners with different beliefs and we would have develop and, and we would have deep philosophical discussions over 10 to 15 mile runs. I'm convinced part of your brain turns off to endure such training, and in essence, I was able to get out of my own way and just be, similar to my meditation practice. But now, I was no longer searching for myself, but for my community. And here's where my long story connects to my short story. I'm stubborn, I'm an introvert, I overanalyze things, I spent over a decade stewing over my cognitive dissonance, I knew what I felt in my heart, and I knew I wasn't brave enough to listen and look for a church on my own. But when I had my first kid, I struggled, hard. It was nothing like I thought it would be. I felt alone, I felt inadequate. That voice that had been whispering and guiding me was getting louder and a little more forceful, to the point where I couldn't wave it away and ignore it. It kept saying, girl, you cannot do this alone. You need a community. You need support. Get yourself to church now. I couldn't ignore what I knew in my heart. I was drowning. My meditation practice was not enough. I needed to find a church. My son was what finally made me take action. There are a lot of churches in Fortuna, but God had been putting people in my path, and I knew exactly what I needed to do. The next week, I was a ball of anxiety. I was going to church because I felt isolated and alone. I was here because I had nowhere else to go. I was bringing with me the source of my anxiety, a three-year-old with unpredictable behavior. My historical fear of judgmental Christianity, along with my current fears of judgmental eyes watching my son's irregular behavior, fed all that anxiety. Walking into church that day was one of the hardest and best things I ever did. As I sat down in the sanctuary on hyper alert, I was flooded with feelings of relief and love. I was completely overwhelmed in a good way. A sense of peace washed over me, surrounding me in love. I immediately felt I was not alone, that I would never truly be alone again and that I was loved and would always be loved. Stepping into the sanctuary, I faced my biggest fears, and I was strengthened. God used my son, the same son who made me question my very existence as a mother, to save me. He showed me the love of a father who never gives up on his children, even when said children refuse to listen and think they know better. He used the people in my life to plant seeds and guide me to him, and he was patient when I chose the long way home.
1: God's faithfulness even when there are our own choices that can sometimes get in the way <laughs> our our idea our schedule our our thought of how something is supposed to go God is still faithful He says You can go do what you need to do. You can go do what you think you need to do. You can take the time that you need to take, but I'm still gonna be here. I'm still gonna be faithful, even as you go figure those things out. So it's an awesome, awesome thing. Sarah? Do you you want this? Do you want that? Okay. Do you want that in front of you for your phone? Or? Uh, no, I can do it.
3: Okay. I brought my
1: tissue. Oh, good.
3: <laughs> please forgive me. I am going to cry. I've <laughs> I, I read this like a hundred times. Again. I'm going
1: to pull you this way just a little bit.
3: I got this. I won't cry, but every time I read it, I do. So please forgive me so my journey started as a young girl I went to a Catholic school and church on Sunday after the third grade we stopped going to church and was put in public school for reasons I don't know my stepmom made sure I never had anything nice or friends so I never was able to read the Bible after that and God started to become a distant memory I was told by my stepmother when I was eight that my mother had died looking back I'm sure she said that because she because I had told her I wanted to live with my mom and if I had moved away, she wouldn't have anyone to mentally or physically abuse anymore. She made me feel hopeless and unwanted and that I never would be anything. My dad was clueless of what was happening because he worked all the time. She was also great at manipulating me so I would never tell on her. When I was 10, I started getting molested by a family member That went on for three years before I had the guts to tell someone. After talking to the police, they told me they weren't going to arrest him because he was an old man and he was dying. My life was falling apart, and I blamed God every step of the way. I'm sorry. When I was 15, I ran away, and I stayed away for almost a year. I would sometimes stay with friends and other times sleep in the park. One day while getting high on pot and drinking, the cop showed up. And he ran my name and found out I was a runaway. He told me they were going to take me home. And I said, if you take me back, I'm going to kill myself. So they took me to a teen girl group home where I stayed for the next year. During a visit with my dad, he asked me why I didn't want to come home. And I broke down and told him about all the abuse from my stepmom. That was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. Over the next few weeks, annoying to me, my dad was looking for my mom's sister that lived nearby. When he found her, he told her about my mom's passing and about me being in a group home. She cried and said it was all a lie. My mother was alive. Shortly after that visit, we got in touch with my mom, and she drove from Arizona to California to get me and take me back to Arizona with her. I met a group of not-so-good people and started doing meth, which became a part of my daily life. Once my mom found out, she packed us up and moved us to Idaho. I got very angry and started to rebel. Eventually, my dad divorced, and I moved back to Sacramento with him. When I turned 18, I had gotten a really good job. I was able to move out with my boyfriend and get our first place. Things were great for about three years. Then I found out he was doing drugs and cheating, and I knew I had to get away. I was still trying to recover from my own addiction, and I couldn't be there even though I knew I had nowhere to go, since my dad had moved away with his new girlfriend. Eventually, I called my dad, and he told me I should move up here with them, so that's what I did. I thought, finally, things are going to be okay but that was short-lived. I had met a guy who turned out to be an alcoholic and mentally abusive, so I left. Then my dad's girlfriend said they were moving and I can't stay with them anymore because they didn't have room for me. Again, my life was falling apart. I had no home, no boyfriend, no friends, and no hope, so I turned to drugs and alcohol again. I didn't care anymore. I was living in my car in a part-time job that didn't pay much. I blamed God for putting me on earth to suffer. One day at work, a coworker offered me a room to rent. I thought, great, a roof over my head and a warm bed to sleep in. Things were good for a few months. Then I started noticing things were slowly disappearing and she wanted me to pay her my whole paycheck to stay there. Once again, I was left with nothing. I was so ready to give up I kept asking, if there is a God, why is he doing this to me? I would pray for this so-called God to take my life. I tried many times to kill myself by cutting my wrists and drinking till I blacked out. But every time I woke up, I started to think how pathetic I am. I can't even take my own life. I was so mad at God for not taking me. Well at work one day, I was talking to a customer that came in all the time. He asked me if I was seeing anyone. I told him no. I don't even know if I want to with how my life was going. Over time, he kept asking me to meet one of his friends. I gave in and said, okay. Have him come into the store one day. A few weeks went by, and in walks a man. He introduces himself and said his friend told him to come in. We exchanged numbers, and we talked on and off. He asked me out for dinner. On our second dinner date, he told me he had to cut the date short, that he had to go home and take care of his mom. Then he told me he moved his mom in with him because she was dying of cancer and he wanted to be able to care for her. I knew right then he was special and not like any other guy I have met. As time went on, we got to know each other and we started dating. He was so good to me, but sadly, I wasn't good to him. I really didn't know how to be. I was 21, still drinking and wanting to party. He did not, so I pushed his feelings aside and continued my wild ways, not caring about his feelings. Maybe deep down, I was trying to push him away because I didn't feel I deserved love from such a caring man. I guess God had other plans. Because Joe never gave up on me. A year into dating, Joe asked me to marry him, and of course, I said yes, and then in t- Then, a year into our marriage, we had a beautiful girl. My life was perfect and complete, so I thought. We started drinking and gambling all the time, which led to tons of arguing. This went on for years. We got to the point in our marriage where we didn't want to be around each other. We both said and did some very hurtful things. One day, we vowed to stop drinking and gambling and start working on us, but it was hard. We were still doing things that were hurtful to each other. Eventually, we got back to a good place and wanted to move forward with making our lives better for not only us, but for our daughter as well. We decided to take the next big step in life and buy a house. One day, we had an open house to go to, and our daughter didn't want to go, so I took her to her grandmother's house. And when I got back, we left for the open house. And out of the blue, Joe asked me if I've ever heard the story from the Bible about the Tower of Babel. I said no, and it was at that moment the the Holy Spirit entered us and God's words came flying out of Joe's mouth. We talked for hours about God and Jesus. Now let me tell you, in the 19 years of marriage and the 22 years together, we have never had such an intimate conversation before, and it was in that moment we found what we've been missing. We talked about looking for a church, but we were worried because we had a special needs child and didn't know how it would go. I talked with a friend who attended church and had a child with autism as well. I got some info from her about the church they attended, and we decided to check it out that following Sunday. From the moment we walked in, we were greeted with open arms, and after that day's service, we knew we found our church. We knew that day we were ready to give our lives to the Lord, and on Easter Sunday of 2021, we made our promise to God, and we were baptized in front of God, Jesus, and our new family. We have made some amazing relationships with many in the church. I am so sorry to God for turning my back on him for many years and blaming him for my pain. Now I see... God has had a plan for me and I needed to trust in his plan and know he will always be by my side. I'm also sorry to my husband for everything he did or everything I did in the past. I thank God and Joe for never giving up on me and showing me what real love is. I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for the forgiveness of God, Jesus, Joe, and my parents. I can honestly say my life is complete and my heart is full and I'm ready to serve the Lord till I take my last breath here on earth and beyond.
1: When Sarah and I were talking about the information that she was going to share, we were kind of talking about, you know, the just the hard things that that she was mentioning and she we were kind of you know just wondering or, or discussing whether or not it that was something that that it should be shared and what we kind of talked about was you know the we don't all have you know easy beginnings we don't all have the, the smooth start, we don't all, all have, you know, those types of experiences in our life. But what we do have is a faithful Jesus. And in, in this particular testimony, we see that even in the midst of all of that hardship, all of that difficulty, all of that seeming hopelessness, in the midst of all of that, of crying out to God, Why am I here? What good am I to to even be here? In the midst of all of that, God is still faithful. And even in that moment, you probably didn't really recognize that he was there. <laughs> you probably didn't recognize that 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 was was God being there to to help you and and to 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 stay you from from being able to to end everything. But in, in the midst of all of that, God was still faithful, and and that recognition of you know. Joe, and Joe, you are such an encouragement to me um in terms of I think you are the one of the only people the only couple that has that i 've ever interacted with as a pastor who shows up saying and without even having a conversation with me, they, they're telling me about how they want to have a relationship with Jesus. And then after they have that relationship with Jesus, I'm like, they, we, we want to pray and be saved. I'm like, well, you guys, sounds like you already are. So I don't, I don't think I need to be involved in this, but, but sure, let's, let's sign you up. And so we do that. And then it's, you know, the next day it's, hey, we want to get baptized. It's like, all right, let's get baptized. It's Easter Sunday, but we're going to do it. And, and we do that. And, and you are the, the easiest uh, people to, to lead to Jesus that I've ever had the opportunity to. So I love you guys. You guys are, are my favorite. <laughs> You're all my favorites too. It's okay. But um, what an awesome reminder this morning that God is faithful. And if we stop for just a moment and we kind of look at the, the things that you're going through today, because we're all going through stuff. Every single one of you is going through something. There's an area in your life where you're, you're asking, God, God, where are you? God, are you gonna show up in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of this difficulty? And I can tell you, he's already there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness that never, ever, ever runs out. God, that you are the anchor in the midst of everything that this life throws at us. God, I thank you for the, the willingness of the the three that have come this morning to share how you have moved mightily in their lives. Three completely different life experiences, but in all three, we see time after time after time that you are who you say you are, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Faithful. God, as we go from this place and we go into our workplaces and as we go into the schools and we go into the interactions that we have with our neighbors and our friends and our family, Lord, help us to, to share how you have been faithful. God, let may our testimony be something that brings others to you. God, my, my testimony may not be the same as that of, of Sarah or Diane or my mom, Lord, but, but those testimonies, each and every one, is, is a gift from you to, to be able to draw others to you. And God, we ask that you would use them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.